Liz Rao definitely has a quirky sense of humor. She's an author and now a podcast host. But recently, she's undergone a major change in her life. VSG Bariatric Surgery. Now she's on a journey to discover health and happiness. Join her as she navigates this new world. This is Life with Liz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Life with Liz. <laughs> so I've been listening to Deb Harkness's um, Discovery Witch series. I've read these books multiple times. It never gets old. I have them on audiobook. Um, so like when I'm cleaning the house or doing other things, I can I still have something to listen to. Like when I moved into my husband's then boyfriend, you know, uh, his townhouse several years ago, I listened to all three of these books while I painted the entire townhouse because I don't know what it is with men, especially bachelor men, but everything was brown everything. So it had to go. Um, but so I've been listening to them. So every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I have this horrible habit of when I listen to accents too long, or when I'm in other countries, I suddenly my voice is laced with the dialect. And it's not, I'm not making fun of anyone. It's not anything I do with intent. It just occurs. So hello, everyone. Um, this week, I wanted to take kind of a different approach. I kind of always give like a list of things you should do, you shouldn't do, twist it in with my opinion. And I thought maybe it would be more helpful for everyone if I talked about the things people don't tell you before surgery or um, maybe don't talk enough about. And one of that is just the myriad of emotions you go through, like on a on a day within 24 hours. Like you'll feel so happy and then you'll feel so depressed. And your emotions are all over the place. A lot of this has to do with your hormones rebalancing. That's the first thing you should really know. Um, Especially as a woman, I think we maybe go through it just a little bit more. I mean, don't quote me on that. Again, I'm not a doctor. I just know that our hormones tend to... uh, mess with us, it's not the word I was going to say, but mess with us just a little bit more on it, like a day-to-day kind of thing. Um, The second other thing you really have to think about is body dysmorphia, because you'll see things in pictures that you don't necessarily see in the mirror, which is why I say it's so important to take pictures, because you might go through a stall and look in the mirror and see someone who hasn't lost 60 pounds, or whatever your current loss is, but and then look in the pictures and see somebody totally different. So the body dysmorphia really screws up with your, your mind as well. And the third thing is, is your battle with food. I don't feel like I was a food addict. I don't ever feel like that was really my problem. But I know many of the people in this community that was part of the problem and why they result, uh, like resourced and um, found the surgery. So lots of different things, but there is a proven link between obesity and depression and why the majority of patients who undergo bariatric surgery do experience overall improvement in their well-being after surgery. Those feelings of depression can worsen because all of a sudden, all you're doing and thinking about is your weight and your weight loss. And there's this moment where your self-value gets tied to that number, whether it's a weight gain, a weight loss, maintenance, 
your weekly weigh-in. And you just can't let that happen because you are valuable with or without this surgery. So that's something that people just, I don't think they talk about enough because they're, this program could easily lead to eating disorders. It could because if your scale is not moving, suddenly you're going to want to cut your calories in half. It could lead to self-esteem issues because suddenly you think, oh, was I not worthy of your like friendship or your attention before I lost the weight? Um, it could lead to social functioning um, to where you feel like you can't function at normal parties and gatherings because of your restrictions. It just, there's a whole myriad of emotions and and the reasons behind them that go into this. So if you don't have a therapist through this, I recommend finding someone. And I also recommend, you know, building a network within this community that you can reach out to and say, hey, did you did you go through this? Like, how'd you handle it? Or even just journaling, blogging. It never has to be something anyone else sees, but it's important for you to let those emotions go through their full ride in your system. Um, don't try to stunt them. Don't try to repress them because it will end up exploding one day. It's important to get them out. And if you have someone you can talk to about or you have a place where you you get those feelings out, I find that writing them down helps me immensely because it's like when you see something in black and white on paper, it makes a little more sense and you start to cognitively connect those dots. So that is something you're not going to hear enough about prior to surgery. Um, Something you will hear about is that excess skin can be an issue. I um, did not have, I I believe it's called an apron when your stomach kind of overhangs and then you get those skin folds. I did not have that, um, but I will have loose skin. And I've talked about it before. My breasts took the bulk of my loose skin so far. They, I could tuck them into my shoes if I wanted to. I mean, do your boobs hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? I'm there. So it's disgusting and it definitely makes me feel... Like, less of a woman, I guess, but not really that I don't feel womanly, but just that's where my self-confidence, uh, like, kind of comes into play because I'm like, even with a bra, they're, like, not where they're supposed to be. They don't look right. That's what draws my attention to it. Anyone else who looks at me probably doesn't notice, probably doesn't care. But for me, that's where I feel it. What people don't talk about is that not all insurance plans will cover the reduction of your excess skin. So some will, if you maintain for a certain amount of time, some insurance plans will then cover the reduction of skin. So you'll see a lot of people who have reductions in their arm or tummy tucks. Um, I see a lot of people who remove the excess skin on their thighs. My guess is they've either been saving since before the surgery or their insurance covered it. Um, because corrective surgery is very, very costly, and it is not often covered by insurance. Um, A lot of people will go to Mexico. That's just something for me I'm not personally comfortable with because I want to be able to, like, go visit my doctor anytime I need to. But there's 42,000 different types of body contouring operations from the reshaping of breasts, arms, thighs, stomachs. Um, I've seen people remove skin around their neck, and I, before surgery, had thought like, oh, no, that'll never happen to me. Let me tell you what. I was laying down, down in bed the other day, and suddenly my neck looked like it was 95. So I get it. I totally get that. Um, but it's going to be $4,000 and up for even the 
tiniest of surgeries. So if you think that that is going to be something that seriously bothers you in the future, start saving now. Every penny counts, you know, just put a little bit away from every single check. And by the time two years of maintenance comes around, probably three years post-surgery, you'll have that money saved up. Here's someone no one told me. No one told me how much more I was going to poop. I know that sounds disgusting. I don't want to even talk about it. That's not the type of person I am. I don't like to talk about things that should be personal, and that includes bathroom habits. But this is something nobody told me. So RNY patients will get told and warned about dumping syndrome a little bit more. It can also happen to VSG or uh, switch patients. Not as easily. Um, a lot of times with an RNY patient, it will happen because of too much sugar too fast, too many fats, too many dairy, um, something like that. But like even just in general, my body seems to process everything so much more quickly. And I came from a childhood where I had Hirschsprung's disease and had the opposite effect. Where like I could go weeks, dude. Like it meant nothing to me to have to go to the bathroom. I never understood people's like urges. And now it's, it's uh, a lot different. So you could have like mild to severe symptoms even with with the dumping syndrome or just quick digestion, especially when you start reintroducing foods back into your system. Like lettuce is one for me. I don't know if it's because it's full of so much water, but I immediately knew I was not okay. Um, and I waited probably like 16 weeks before I ate salad because I had heard other people had the same problem. Um, but I mean, those symptoms include like sweating, uh, flushing, lightheadedness, the desire to just suddenly lie down, nausea, cramping, active audible bowel sounds. Like um, if you've ever seen the movie Bridesmaids where they they go to the Brazilian bar and they eat bad meat, um, that's exactly what it's like. Exactly. Um, you'll have gas. You'll have more gas than you ever had pre-surgery. And it doesn't really matter what you eat. Your system's just digesting at a different rate. And because you're chewing more thoroughly, your food is broken down in a different way. Just prepare for it. Watch out for it. And if you've gone through surgery and you were wondering about this, now you know. It's just something that you're going to have to deal with. Um, and again, if you cut out things for so long, like let's say you go extreme, extreme low carb, but also low fat, which is very difficult to do, and suddenly you eat some cheese, that cheese is going to F you up, just for the record. Um, side note, be careful how much fat you eat because that leads to gallbladder issues. And people who do keto or low carb tend to eat a higher diet in fat. So just something to watch out for. The other thing... You know, I was kind of warned about it. Um, we talked about it. I had an episode called um, the alcohol episode. Sorry, I needed to take a little, little sip. Um, is It could boost your risk for alcohol use or abuse and liver damage. So this was told to me, but I don't think it was thoroughly explained because the way it was explained to me in my class was that it's full of sugar and it's getting into your bloodstream more quickly, so you're going to get drunk more quickly, and it's going into your liver faster because your stomach isn't processing it against all this other food because you can't eat while you drink, right? So um, a lot of people who had gastric bypass, for example, at 
at one, three, six, 24 months after the surgery have found that they have increased alcohol use after the, after the procedure. It's because those effects are getting into your bloodstream quicker. So a lot of people like that kind of buzzed feeling. You get it very, very easily with after bariatric surgery, I guess you would say, but it doesn't last as long. So then you're like looking for that feeling again within the next glass. So just so you know, like that's one of the things that will happen and you'll just feel really, really weird. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, you know how much I like to tell you about what I'm working on where my creative outlets are, but right now I want to talk about autism acceptance. I have partnered up with Autism Society, and right now if you go to lizroutofficial.com slash autism acceptance, every shirt you buy from that collection will go to benefit the Autism Society. April is Autism Awareness Month, so get your shirt now so you can be a part of a bigger movement, and we're going to make a brighter day for someone tomorrow. And I really mean it when I say, like, no one's ever told me about these things. There are some things that people did tell you about. Like, you have to say goodbye to soda. Duh! That's, like, in lesson number one. Because, number one, it's going to stretch out your stomach. It's going to create gas that will put pressure into your stomach and expand it unnecessarily. Instead of drinking soda, drink lots and lots of water because dehydration is the most common reason for a patient's readmission to hospital at any time post-surgery. It's not like you can go six months and then suddenly drink soda. No, like you should just never go back to it. I don't care if you like let it sit out and go flat. I don't give a shit. Don't do it. Don't do it because you're just signing yourself up for another surgery down the road and you're going to blame it on like the sleep didn't work for me. No, you didn't work for you. You didn't follow the diet. You didn't follow the lifestyle. And that tool is only going to work for you for one year, 18 months at the max. And then all the damage you've been doing to your body in the meantime will pay you back. So don't do it. Don't drink soda. They do tell you about that one, but I don't think people take it seriously. Carbonated beverages in general are just a big no, no. I can't drink beer anymore. It literally hurts, and like one teeny tiny sip is enough to make me not want it for the rest of my life. So as a Missouri girl, I mean, I was basically weaned on Anheuser, but nope, not anymore. I had to say goodbye to it, and I don't feel bad because I'd rather have my life over a beer. You're also going to need that gym membership. You do have to work out. Again, your tool's only doing the job for you for a year to 18 months max, and that's if you're following the diet to a T. So if you suddenly start gaining weight back, hmm, hmm, I wonder why. You're probably only half-assing this program, and that's how I feel. You have to put it all in. It is a full lifestyle change. Even if you just go for a walk a day for 20 to 30 minutes, that is better than nothing at all. But if you get a gym membership where you can do resistance training with weights or yoga, Pilates, bar, anything else like that, you're going to... You're going to really love that you've rewarded yourself and treated your body right. Um, one of the other things people don't talk about is this process can really put a strange on your marriage, especially if your partner is not a true partner in support during it. So I've seen a lot of 
um, people on Instagram, for example, where their husband brings home donuts and cookies and cakes and junk food and McDonald's. And they're like, well, he brought it home and I just couldn't say no. A good partner's not going to do that to you. They're not going to put you into that situation and they're going to take it seriously. And the other part of the reason it puts a strain on your marriage, a strain on your marriage is because it's a drastic physical transformation, but it's also a drastic emotional transformation. And it's going to affect not just you, but all of the relationships around you because suddenly you're going to have a different view of how you're perceived and how you perceive yourself. So in addition to great post-operative medical care, you should also think about seeking emotional guidance like we talked about earlier. And if things start to get strained between you and your spouse or your partner, significant other, consider counseling for the both of you because you're going to need each other's support for life as a couple who has chosen to be together. So this is something that puts that in the forefront because this is, it's life-changing. It's not like, oh, for a year I have to treat myself differently and then I'll, I'll just go back to the same old. No, full lifetime lifestyle change. Just really, really consider that. I don't want to dig in too deep to anyone else's relationship. I will say my husband has been amazing, amazing at being a support system and cooking with me and changing up his diet and all of those things. So I'm very lucky in that way. Um, The risk of surgery are low compared with doing nothing at all. So having the surgery gives you a better life than if you choose not to. If you're severely overweight or you have diabetes with a combination. So this surgery has very, very little risk attached to it rather than if you chose not to treat your obesity, not to take control of your life, and not to do something that's going to make you and force you to change your life. So the chances of having a major complication are only about 4.3% from the surgery. The risk of staying obese include heart disease, diabetes, strokes, and death. And I've heard about many of those things. And I've heard that some people have chosen to go through the surgery because their friend died from one of those things. So you really have to outweigh like the fear of surgery versus the fear of not making it till tomorrow. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, and with that being said, most people would do it again in a heartbeat from what they say. The success of the long-term project for patients who undergo a serious procedure like this, most say if they go back in time, they would still choose to have the surgery because the surgery really did change their life. And yes, it helped with subsequent weight loss, but it also helped them take control of their life and control of their emotions, their physicality, how they perceived themselves, how they treated themselves. A lot of people will say like, oh, I'm getting a pedicure, self-care. Well, this surgery is like the ultimate self-care because you are putting yourself first. All right. With that being said, those are the things that were at the tippy top of my mind this week and what I wanted to talk about. Let me know what you would like to hear about because, um, I mean, there's so many more things I could describe that I I probably haven't or just haven't even thought about yet um, or didn't realize I went through, but maybe you did. And I was like, huh, I never really like put that together with surgery. Always drink your water, always take your vitamins, and always take care of yourself. With that being said, 
Let's talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life with Liz.